Welcome back to the Struggle is Real in Grief webcast podcast. I'm your co-host, Vanessa. And I'm Leon. And we're going to bow our heads for a word of prayer right now. Father, thank you. Thank you once again uh, that we're able to present and interview someone that will help others. Bless all those that are listening, dear Lord, and comfort them as only you can. We pray and thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have an exciting guest with us. He might not say that, but we're saying we have an exciting guest. Yes. <laughs> um, his name is James McNeil. And um, to cut right to it, first of all, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we know everybody's time is precious these days. Mm. So we're going to ask, what are three, four highlights about yourself, or as many as you want, or as few as you desire, that you want to tell us about yourself, that you want to share with the audience to help them to get to know you better. Well, okay. First of all, I want to thank you all for having me, uh, Leon and uh, Vanessa. Um, I'm excited and delighted to be on here. And uh, to answer your question, um, I would say three to five things that you'd want to know about me. Uh, one, I am uh, the son of James and Gilda McNeil uh, Sr. So I'm named after my father, uh, the oldest, oldest of four kids. Um, grew up in sunny, sunshiny Florida, wow. uh, Clearwater area, Tampa Bay area, home of Champa Bay, as we like to call it right now. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am uh, Jasmine, Josiah, and Jared's daddy. All right. <laughs> Eve's husband. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of my family background. Uh, but also, too, uh, I am a graduate of Oakwood and uh, Andrews University. Excellent. Um, yeah. And I would probably say that I got into ministry later in life, uh, full time ministry. And so I serve as a chaplain. I've served as chaplain of, of several places uh, more than anything else. Um, I, I enjoy people and uh, helping them connect to God uh, in their own way. Um, avid sports lover. Ah. And uh, definitely I would have to admit that I have a penchant for uh, pop culture, uh, learning more about it and uh, seeing how it streams. It's not all good, but it's not all bad either. I know, right, right, no, I agree, I agree. <laughs> Wonderful, well, I would say that the audience definitely feels that they know you a little bit yeah, better yeah. <laughs> so that's great thank you for sharing yes, thank you very much so you know we most often um on the webcast and podcast talk about people who are grieving and how to help them for a moment let's talk about the people who are dying mm. now as a chaplain I'm sure you get asked some pretty challenging questions and you know some may even be intimidating i'm not sure but um have you been asked questions or if you were to be asked this question i'm wondering how you would respond as a chaplain because i understand that this is a question that is common for a, a lot of chaplains and that would be um such as why has the lord not called me to sleep yet you know I'm just, I'm just ready to go. I mean, what words, what words mm. could be shared? 
well, you guys don't mix any, uh, throw, you know, mix any punches or uh, <laughs> mix up at all. Let's just jump. Let's just jump right into the right. <laughs> you know, that, that is a good question. Um, and oftentimes, I would say that I have heard it from actually two sides. I've heard it from the person that is suffering, yeah. and then I have heard it from the family members, the onlookers, who are there. Right. Uh, and I will say that oftentimes it is more of the onlookers who struggle with that question. Why hasn't the Lord uh, allowed her to die or why or him or her to die? Uh, what's taking so long? I've heard and maybe not phrased that way, but why is that lingering? Yeah. Um, okay. One of the struggles and challenges uh, about dying is that we think we understand it. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be furthest from the truth. Mm -hmm. Um I've heard it say, and it's been said that, you know, people are on this earth for a certain amount of time and when their mission is done, um, then they they can rest. Right, uh, right. And it sounds very good, but the truth is only God fully understands. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> That's right. And so I try not to answer the question as much as I try to understand what's the question behind the question. Right. So here's what I mean. Um, for instance, I've had uh, an older woman say, you know, I just want to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, to, to die now. Why haven't they taken me? And so I'm trying to, so I'm trying to understand from uh, her perspective. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Uh, explain to me what's, what's going on with you. Because, because hearing it from their words and hearing it from uh, their point of view, uh, gives me better understanding of where it is. Sometimes it's a crisis of faith. Has God uh, abandoned me? Right. Um, sometimes the question is a matter of function everything is shutting down yeah. and uh i don't know i can i don't know if i can tolerate this yeah. <clears throat> wow that's that's <laughs> yeah so it's it's buried i guess it depends on the person mm -hmm. depends on the family depends yep. on their faith you have to allow the holy spirit to lead you and guide you yes. in that i know yes. on a daily moment by moment and case by case basis. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, because I've heard of, um, and it may not just, I don't want to single out chaplains. It could be a pastor or whoever it was in, the, in that particular case, kind of pressuring the person to, you know, make a decision for Christ. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, 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 I like what you just explained, how you handle such things. Wow, wow. Yeah. Let me go on to another question. That that one was a that was a pretty heavy one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you say there are differences in how a younger person, uh, teenagers to young adults, um, respond to grief as opposed to um, older people? I was going to say like myself, but I. I don't like to put myself in that category, but I'm there. <laughs> you know, I think after uh, 2020, I think we're all I think we're all there, honestly. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so what I can talk about and, and to kind of make sure I'm understanding your question, you really kind of wanted to know what's the kind of the difference between, you know, grief uh, and those who are considered younger uh, youth, young adults versus those who are considered more seasoned and mature. There yes. you go. I, oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> more accent, more flavored with experience. There you go. <laughs> and I would say this: um, if we really think about it, um, grief, dying, the whole living process, of course, different. 
uh, children between the ages of, I'd say, three to 18, um, they go through developmental changes and understanding of what death is. Um, and understanding not only death, uh, but what it means, but also their grief will be different uh, in their understanding. Um, one of the things I actually do right now, I serve as a bereavement counselor, a bereavement specialist here locally. And uh, what I'm finding is that oftentimes um, children are a lot more direct mm -hmm. about what they see and what they understand than the adults are. Um, adults will tend to try to use words like they have gone to sleep. Yeah. They have passed away. We try to use a lot of cute words so that we can't, we don't make the child feel bad. Right. And in essence, uh, as adults, we're struggling sometimes to come to grips with it ourselves, what death means. And so uh, what the literature has advised and what I would advise anybody is honesty is the best policy. Death, yes. Beautiful. So if you have a favorite dog, like we'll say Fluffy, and Fluffy has died. Um, taking a moment to acknowledge with the child that Fluffy has died. Uh, doing a ritual such as uh, having a burial service mm -hmm. uh, with the child they allow them to express what they thought about fluffy uh, even at allowing them to dig up that own grave is actually helpful for the child to help them understand concretely um, what happens uh, you know between life and death and, and with life and death uh, and that expiration uh, i think even furthermore it helps the child to begin their grieving process because uh -huh. One of the misnomers is, if I can just really um, add a little bit, is that um, in our Western society, we don't talk a lot about death. Yeah. We talk a lot about life and celebrations, but we avoid the negative. Uh, when death happens, we have a tendency to try to hurry up and get it done. Mm. But grief is really uh, a change, a transformation, an opportunity for transformation and growth. Yeah. Uh, and it's a change um, that I truly believe is God-given. Um, but very few really embrace it as a God-given thing. We kind of embrace it as this, I call it the unwanted visitor, or unwanted guest that has yeah. entered the room. <clears throat> Definitely. Wow. And you know, that something you said triggered a, a, a memory. We were speaking with someone recently that said they're concerned about what's going on in the nation, in the world right now because of COVID. Yes. And um, there were a lot of people who didn't have funerals. You know, a lot of people who have turned to cremation and, um, you know, it's, it's a part of the process. It's a part of the closure when the you closure. actually have a funeral service and you see the casket there and you see the casket closed. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And there's yeah. some more finality to it. Right. Other than, like you said, they've just gone to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. They're resting yeah. and things like that. So thank you for that. That very good. Oh, you're absolutely, absolutely welcome. And I just want to add one more thing. And I know that oh, we've got more, but uh, as you're talking about that, I was just listening to a podcast with Dr. Alan Wolfelt. Dr. Alan Wolfelt spends a lot of time dealing with grief and dying and the dying process. Hmm. Um, and he enter, he operates this center called the Center for Loss out in Colorado. Um, has done work for over 40 years in that mm -hmm. in that field. And one of the things he was talking about is that particularly North American division is avoiding um, dealing with the rituals of dying and burial. And we try to make things of celebration. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with the celebration yes. of life. Yeah. Right, right. But everything, everything is not a party. And he says by us avoiding the process of going through this ritual, going through this, we're skipping an crucial step of acknowledging that that person is gone. Right. Wow. And acknowledging 
that it's okay to mourn. That's you know, correct. It's, it's okay, you know, yeah. because, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not a party. It's not just about all ha giggles and laughter. Yeah, that is true. Although, although you do have those things. But yeah. It's, it's, the, it's really embracing the both end. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yep. about balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check out um, Dr. Alan um, Wolfelt, was that? Wolfelt. Got it, got it, got it. So we've talked about other people and we know that chaplains, you know, deal with other people's grief, but we want to bring it home, you know, bring it more to a more personal level. What about you? Have you had any personal experience with grief and loss yourself? Okay, so we just don't mind jumping into that <laughs> big deep end, do we? The, the introduction <laughs> is over. We're all right. in now. <laughs> you know, oftentimes clients will look at me and say, well, you're so young to, you know, talk about grief. Have you experienced any loss? Uh, my answer is yes. Um, I've, I have lost a family member here or two, um, but a lot of my grief has happened with friends and loved ones, uh, people that I have uh, gotten close to. Um, my experiences uh, took place in the seminary where I lost a very uh, a good uh, good friend um, uh, at, at a local church. And, uh, you know, he taught me a lot about not just about living, but about dying. Wow. Um, and uh, in that, you know, he was he happened to be Seventh-day Adventist. But I learned so much from him in those few months, more than I probably learned in a lot of textbooks. Wow. And that being able to face it, I learned a ton from his children. Mm -hmm. um, and watching that family taught me a lot about some of the things that I thought I knew about death and grief. Um, and just to kind of unpack that a little bit, uh, oftentimes from perspective of faith, uh, my particular faith, we look at death as resting and sleeping, mm -hmm. uh, which I have no problem with. Um, the challenge is, is that when I look at death and I kind of pass over, they're dead and they'll be waiting for Jesus to resurrect them. I don't spend a lot of time sitting in that difficulty, time grieving. I didn't learn how to grieve until I went to grieve myself. Mm -hmm. And so part of my journey as a chaplain was to really explore not only uh, living, but dying yeah. and how it made me feel and why it made me feel the way it uh, made me feel. Right. Um, uh, then I experienced loss with uh, my own mother-in-law mm -hmm. uh, who passed away right after we gra I graduated from seminary. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And then and dealing with that and learning how to uh, be there for my wife, um, you know, who was miles away uh, when that happened. Mm -hmm. And learning that, you know, a lot of things that we really intend to say we want to say we say things that you know for instance oh they're in a better place yeah. right, um, right, right, right. um i've heard people say that oh no they uh they died and god needed another soul for them in heaven i need yeah. another soul in heaven for his army mm. um i think one that really is very uh popular is that um you know uh their work on earth was done um yeah yeah all those things sound good but when you're experiencing it on that side uh, it is painful. It's yeah. still painful. Very, very painful. Not uh, comforting. Not comforting at all. And, yeah, and, and, it's, it's, and it's really insensitive and it really show it goes to the fact that um, we're very detached from the, the grief process, but also the death and dying process as well. Mm. That is so true. If, if you remember in scripture, um, Jesus said, he's asleep. And they said, mm -hmm. well, if he's asleep, he does well. 
and then you looked at him and said, um, he's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, he kind of let them understand what he meant by sleep. Mm -hmm. He's dead. Yeah, so right. it's, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And it, and it really helps people come to terms. Um, so you mentioned the word and you said the word and I said, "Hun, you're using these these big words. Um, what are misnomers that you've discovered um, that are sometimes harbored by um, people who are grieving? Um, well, and, uh, and about the people, about the who, people are who are grieving. You know, and that is an excellent question there. Um, as I'm pondering just how um, challenging the grief process is, I think one of the misconceptions about it from the, I'll start off with the onlookers. I call them the onlookers. Yeah. They're observing the grief. They don't really understand what to say. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to right. say. But more than that, they don't understand what the process that that particular person is going through. And here's what I mean. Um, you know, when I lost my mother-in-law, when I lost my, uh, uh, my good friend um, in, in Michigan, when I've lost others, countless others, uh, now as I'm starting, you know, taking a tally. Right. Um, oftentimes we want to so badly make them feel better with words. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. There are no words that are going to bring my loved one back. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that you can say that makes me feel better. Right. And so the, the, I think the challenge is for the, for the people who are standing by is that they can make things better just by speaking. Yes. I think Jesus said it best and did it best when he saw Lazarus, he wept. Yes. Yes. The shortest two verses in the Bible, Jesus wept. Yes. 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 And so it lets us know that being in touch with my own humanity is essential to be able to be a comfort for others. Right. And it's not an attack on your masculinity. No, as a male. exactly. <laughs> because um, as we've discussed many times, a lot of men are in bad shape because they've been taught you, you don't cry you never show yourself emotional mm -hmm. uh, my mother raised me and right. <laughs> you know i i shed a tear in a hot second that's it i feel i'll live a little bit longer <laughs> right 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 and see here's something and here's something you'll you'll, you'll know i'm giving you some some free grief counseling here there you go <laughs> just as anybody who would work out or would be doing yard work or be running and exercising their body perspires mm -hmm. so is it with somebody who has experienced internal pain and loss mm -hmm. we allow them to cry yes um, i've often asked people you know if you're sweating and you're running around and doing things and you're sweating if i told you not to sweat you would look at me kind of strange yeah yeah <laughs> that yeah. is a natural body function well guess what when our soul is in pain a natural reaction is to cry and it's been proven uh, scientifically that the tears of pain actually have more bacteria yes, yes. <clears throat> my wife showed me that one day and i was yeah. like god is awesome. awesome that's right so it's right. a healthy thing it's to cry thing. wow yes wow that is wonderful i just i mean when when the bible says we are Fearfully, fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made oftentimes mm -hmm. we don't understand the magnitude of that that's right but that is wonderful 
you know, I did I didn't finish that. I didn't finish the second part of that question. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Please do. We want so to I hear did, it. So I talked about the onlookers, but really with the people who are going through the grief process, the first thing they say is there's something wrong with me, as if it's a disease. Mm. And grief is not a disease as much as it is a process that happens internally. You have been um, you know, for lack of a better term, you've been messed up internally. You've lost a lot of your, your strong footing. And so now your mind, your body, your spirit are trying to reorganize. Yeah. Even physically, the body is trying to make sense of what happened. Yeah. And so there are manifestations of grief, um, dealing with not only tears, of achiness, mm-hmm. a sense of loneliness and emptiness, mm-hmm. but then also too, there's a sense of confusion Oftentimes, yeah. uh, people in those in those first year, first two years, um, are very confused, forgetful. Mm-hmm. Um, they are stagnant in their approach. Sometimes they are not even the same person that they were before. Exactly. That is true. That is true. And uh, they've I, I, we did a little study which aligned grief with PTSD. That's correct. That's correct. Like, mm-hmm. What? And mm-hmm. when we think about the episodes of grief that we have dealt with, mm-hmm. we can look back and go, yes. Yep. PT, PTSD or PTSI. Were you going to say, was, did you have something else you were adding to that? Yeah. And that, and that, you know, one of the things that is, I like to remind people um, who've experienced grief and loss, particularly death, um, is that first of all, what you're going through is normal because oftentimes they feel like they're alien, mm-hmm. they feel like, um, there's something wrong with them that they need to be cured of. And, uh, you know, some people are like, no, it's been eight months. It's been 10 months. Mm-hmm. It's been a year. Why am I over this? Why do I still have this, these, these, these waves of grief and sobbing? And it's to remind them that it's okay. This is part of the process. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. You know, I feel like I, I do that almost on a daily basis, at least four days a week. Um, because one of the things that I do is support military survivors. Mm. And I spoke with one, I think it was last night, where um, the, the, the parent had lost a child. It had been maybe, I don't know, six months or so. And I was, and I had to share with her, you know what? Six months is not a long time to have lost your child. So what you're going through is absolutely normal. And I try to encourage people to be kind to themselves, the people who are around them to be kind because they're Mm -hmm. dealing with a lot. Yes, indeed. A lot, a lot more than most people realize. Exactly, exactly. So I want to um, move in a slightly different area. Um, Let's talk about the church in general. Okay. Do you think based on your experience, your observations that more can be done at the church level or, or, um, and, and if more could be done, what would that look like in your opinion? Okay. So as you're talking about the church, I'm assuming you're talking about the local congregation not necessarily from the conference or from the yeah every right, local, right. local congreg- congreg- congregation. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure. Yes, because there's so many so many levels. That's um, true. <laughs> um, but um, so from the local church level, 
there's a ton that needs to be done. There needs to be a better um, understanding, um, not just from the organization, but from the people uh, in the congregation. And here's what I mean. Uh, oftentimes it's really placed upon the pastor or the church leadership to kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. And when I say figure it out, put the program together and just do it. And what I am finding and have experienced even uh, from my own uh, perspective is that the church is very good at conducting the funeral. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, providing something at the very onset. Yeah. But the loneliest days of grief for a person is the day after the funeral, mm -hmm. after every casserole, after the flowers. Mm -hmm. So you're probably talking about within 10 days after a person has said goodbye is the most difficult time. Mm -hmm. So what can be done is ongoing, continuous support. And I'm not talking about support um, in terms of money and flowers, but the support of consistent care uh, yes yes listening ear a listening ear shoulder, um, a shoulder to cry on shoulder to cry on phone calls people don't realize a simple phone call or text message even if it's not um long can go a long way wow. um sending cards mm -hmm. sending a simple card once a month saying i'm thinking about you can go a long way of letting that person know they're not forgotten wow that's how, how long would you suggest that continue so I try to encourage people for that at least the first year, hmm. 13 months, 13 to 15 months to send something. What I found out and from some studies, 18 to 36 months are still a, it still can be a long process for that person to be reorganized. And so although they may not be grieving as heavily as they were the first 12, 13 months, the 36, within 36 months, they are still trying to assimilate themselves mm. uh, to this new identity, because that's what it is. Mm. Grief is a transformation to a new identity. And so it may look different from year one to year two, but I think it needs to be intentional. Right. Um, and that intentionality is, it, how can I say this? It's not a one size that fits all. Mm -hmm. people, nah. that, people that I'm closer to, people that you're closer to, they will probably get a little bit more attention and a lot more of your care than somebody that you're not you're not familiar with right right, right. that's true <clears throat> and, so, and so and so and so being able to provide them just a semblance of not only normalcy but a sense that they are okay mm -hmm. uh, in terms of love and it's not always bringing up their their the loss but okay. saying I, i'm thinking about you you know, um, we're having a potluck. I'd love you for you to, to come by. You know, we're going to the park. I would like to you to come along with me. Um, even something as simple as, you know, um, I got these two tickets to a, to, a, to a baseball game. Would you like to come? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they may decline, but it's good that they know that someone is thinking about you and someone cares. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent. Well, we're going to bring this down to a close and I have one more question that you didn't receive at all anyway. Okay. But I'm going to um, ask you to just give just a couple of words of encouragement um, to the audience, words of hope um, for someone out there. And if just one person hears that word, it will help them. Yes. Okay. You only one word, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a preacher. And so you say, one yeah, word. yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay. Give uh, your top three. <laughs> 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 uh, 
here's what I say. I have found that the book of Hebrews deals a lot actually with loss and change. And I'm reminded about Hebrews chapter 12, the first verse that says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who despised the cross and the shame, but endured the cross. Now, it may seem simple, but the idea is that Christ suffered. Yes. Christ suffered not only physically, but Christ grieved. Yes. Christ grieved the fallen humanity in their the state that they were in. He grieved the death that he saw day in and day out. He grieved the fact that the lack of faith that he had to witness from the chosen people. And then he also grieved the separation from his father on that cross. Um, yes. And with all of that, he endured. Yes. And knowing that Christ in, endured and is able to sit at the right hand of the father, um, gives me encouragement because what he went through, he knows what you're going through in your time of yes, loss wow. and devastation and that he is always near and dear to you. Uh, the psalmist says that aren't your tears, aren't my tears in your bottle. Yes. And it's so that's it one gives, of my wife's favorites. <laughs> it gives me this imagery that God collects every tear that falls. Yes. yes. Both the ones that are visible Mm -hmm. uh, but the ones that are invisible as well. Oh, that's powerful. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Yes. Yes. And well, so even so, even with Revelation, and I'll close that up with this: even in Revelation, Christ promised, when it's all said and done, that He will dry every tear from their eyes. Every tear, God. Uh, every tear. Wow. I I can't imagine it. I want to see it. Yeah. Yes. But the fact that he promises he will do that gives me comfort and strength yes. to know that, you know, um, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what our audience is going through, God promises ultimately to dry every tear from their eyes. Wow. Awesome. From uh, one of our one of our new favorite teachers that a preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't preach on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so very much yes. um, for sharing with us and uh, pouring your heart out and, and, and your experience. And someone um, is definitely blessed. We oh. were, we're blessed. Oh, yeah. You're two it, of us. It helped me. Yeah. <laughs> there are two of us that, that are blessed. Uh, do you have any announcements or anything you wanted to I mentioned just, before we say goodbye. Yeah, just quickly to remind um, everyone or, and encourage to follow us um, on you, our YouTube channel is Verette Ministry. Please subscribe and follow so that you'll be sure to get um, all of the new episodes that are out. The podcast, The Struggle is Real and Grief, is on um, Spotify. Google Podcasts, iTunes, and basically anywhere that you enjoy listening to podcasts, please follow there as well and share um, with others. In order to be blessed. Thank you so much, James McNeil, <laughs> with the three J's of children. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, blessings to your family, yes. to Eve. Yes. Um, and hopefully one day we'll get a chance to get together. We'll, we'll, you're, you're still in Florida. Yes, and we'll have to come down there yes. one day. Well, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, hope, hopefully I can come back in another podcast. This was fun. <laughs> I was just going to say that you, you read my mind. We would love to have you back. God bless you. God bless you all. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome.